and the mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 266. That is a two and a Mario Lemieux, if you know what I'm saying. I don't think you do, but that is true. Uh, Hey, how you doing? This is our Marvel podcast, and we are going to be going through a bunch of books tonight. And I say we, I mean me and Clay. Me and Brandon actually did record Daredevil and Strange Academy, and things did not work out. Somewhere from here to Buffalo and then back again here, things got wonky. So I will probably be back a little later talking about both Daredevil and Strange Academy by my lonesome, as well as probably some other things as well. But let me tell you where you can find us. You can go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back 100%. That is our policy. I think it's a nice thing to do in a world that needs some nice things to be done. Also, go over to our website at WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com where you can get news, reviews, and previews to all of the books or most of them that come out each week from Marvel. And also go to our Patreon account if you want to help support us for all the podcasts on this feed and get a lot more podcasts. I ended up today doing a Back Issues podcast with my man Stork where we talked about Peter Parker, Spider-Man from 2001, and it's number 33. We did a one-shot where Peter each year goes to a Mets game in honor of Uncle Ben's death. Also... I ended up doing our Marvel, what is it called? Marvel Events Podcast. I did that with Double A Run, where we talked about X-Men number 103 and 104. That is the first Phoenix Saga, not the Dark Phoenix, but before that, the Phoenix Saga. Uh, Not a lot of Phoenix in that, but we talked about that, had some fun. And also each week, we do a Marvel Patreon spotlight that is picked by the badass of the Get Fresh crew, Beep Boop. And this week they ended up picking Shang-Chi number five. And that is the finale to that setup deal, that series. And I did that by myself. And also me and Brandon, and this ended up working out where we talked about Werewolf by Night number four, an odd four issue mini, but that is the finale as well. And an issue that me and Brandon did not like. And it drove us nuts. But if you want to hear Brandon, And it's nonsense. You'll have to go over to the Patreon. And so we're going to get into this. Like I said, me and Clay are going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. And then I'll do a bunch of books after that and talk. But before we go, I just want to mention, I did mention it on our Monday night X-Men show. But in case you don't listen to that, I actually have come down with the COVID. I am COVID positive. I ended up being tested. It came back positive. So I am in quarantine now. I feel like crap. The only reason I'm really mentioning this is if you end up not seeing any show go up at a certain time and and really like it didn't go up at all, uh, that's probably why. Though I'm planning on doing all the shows, not missing anything. So I'll try to do my best. Just wanted you to know that. But with that, with that good news, we're going to go off to me and Clay talking 
a couple books right about now. All right, we're going to start things off as we always do with Clay. How are you doing, Clay? I'm doing pretty good. Oh, good. Good to hear. And so we're going to jump into two books. We've actually only had one book for a bit, me and you, at least on the regular podcast. We get two this week. And, of course, one's The Amazing Spider-Man. That is our go-to, but we also get to talk Fantastic Four today as well. And I I like Amazing Spider-Man enough when we get into this. Fantastic Four, it's starting to veer off in in some odd directions again for me. But we'll start with The Amazing Spider-Man, number 58, written by Nick Spencer, art by Marcelo Ferreira, with inks by Wayne Foucher, colors by Maury Hollowell, and letters by V.C. Joe Caramagna. Previously, using the Sin Eater, Kindred cleansed many villains of their sins, including Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. The defeat of the Sin Eater returned those sins to the villains, except the Goblin with this new shot at life. Norman revealed a secret. Kindred is actually Norman's son, Harry Osborn. It's a little weird timing that they're going with right there. You know what I mean? The idea of when... Harry and Norman revealed it, but that's okay. Harry was tormented by his old pal Peter Parker as punishment for Peter's sins. The torment ended when Norman trapped Kindred in a dark force cage constructed by Kingpin. Norman asked Peter to help reform his son, but Peter refused. While Spidey was dealing with all this, someone unexpected showed up at Aunt May's doorstep pleading for help. It was Martin Lee, the benevolent alter ego of the deadly crime boss, Mr. Negative. And this is Negative Space Part 1. I actually was surprised. When I actually opened this up, I'm like, okay, we're starting a new story and it's going to deal a lot with Mr. Negative. I thought that that was kind of a side note to the whole Kindred story. Uh, I think that you agree. You even said to me that you even at a point were like, oh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Negative was involved in it and, and Martin himself. And so that's what that kind of threw me off. I like the idea, you know, when he goes to Aunt May. And this feast deal that is his. So, and it was kind of like a setup to make him look good to try to get away from that Mr. Negative deal. But with him showing up with Aunt May, I didn't think that that was going to be the, the driving force of the next story. And I, I just want to see Kindred. I mean, I know that Harry is stuck now in that Dark Force prison, but I'm starting to think that that's only to meander a little bit until we get to more reveals and maybe get to the one more day stuff. Uh, what do you think about, you know, having Mr. Negative as the big deal? Well, yeah, I, I think I messaged you last night uh, when I was writing reviews. I said that Spider-Man, you know, we, we know that Spencer has been playing the long game. It's been uh, almost four years since uh, or almost three years, man. Time goes by too fast. Um, but uh, the long game is something Spencer has always kind of pulled out of uh, his hat whenever uh, he wants to introduce a new story. And this is just another one of those things. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll put Kindred on the back burner again. Let's go ahead and tell this Mr. Negative story. But we're going to convince the reader that it's all connected because Spider-Man says so. And uh, we see that, yes, technically, uh, Sin Eater is, of course, connected to Kindred. Sin Eater met Martin Lee, shot him with the, uh, the, sh- the special shotgun. He got all of his sins taken away. But we know after the uh, apparent suicide of uh, Sin Eater, all the sins came back. And so that's the internal conflict that, it, that Martin Lee is having to deal with. And so... In, you know, 
with all of that, yes, technically it is connected, but it we're not getting any kindred like at all. We're just getting again the Norman and Peter confrontation that we literally just got last issue, which Peter was like, okay, I don't want to talk to you anymore. But then Spencer forces them to talk again. And he does bring up a good point and we'll get to it more in detail. But uh, Norman says, well, if you didn't want to help Harry, why are you here? Yeah, Um, because he goes, yeah, he goes to Liz and, and Normie to try to, you know, help them out and also, you know, tell them Harry's in trouble. And yeah, why would he do that? Now you could say he feels bad for, you know, the kids and the wife, but still he does seem to want to help the family at least. So that should be enough that he should want to help Harry. Uh, But Peter just rips off on Norman again and tells him to stop and get the hell away from him and don't get near the people I like and all that. I actually like that part. I I like, and I like when Norman says that because it is true. And Peter definitely is conflicted with what he wants to do and what he is doing and all of that going on. But, you know, with that, you do end up with Nick Spencer getting away from some of the things that he seemingly uh, thinks is the big things, then they're not the big things. And it is odd because even with that, if you know the solicits coming up, we get even further and further away from Kindred. And the only thing that I can think that is he either wants to go a hundred issues with this, and that would be the big hundredth issue, maybe wait till 75. But I think that the big idea of, you know, one more day and the reveal and with Kindred really going and saying, why don't you go and find out what happened, please? And you have Norman going off and maybe Peter as well. I don't think that's just going to happen at a random issue. This will have to be one of those big ones. So, I just sit there thinking it's either going to be issue 75 or 100, but what are we going to do up until then? And the idea of what happens with Liz and Normie when you have Peter go and Normie reveals, you know, everybody lies to me. Dad lied to me and he's lying to all of us, presses the buttons, and all of a sudden a secret room opens up and there's a goblin glider and pumpkin bombs. That's pretty big. I mean, that is a, a big deal. But in the meantime, you have Mr. Negative seemingly, you know, working with Kingpin. Kingpin still trying to get his wife back. That's what all of this is. That's what it all started with. And Kindred said no back in the deal. But even with that, I do like the play of when Martin does go to Aunt May, like we had Overdrive. Overdrive actually learned his lesson. When he got his sins back, it doesn't necessarily make you just full out evil with overdrive was spelled out that you can learn and you can realize well i got the sins back but i don't want to be that person again well the problem is with mr negative and martin they're never that person they're always the separate entity you know the split personality deal and i do like when martin goes to aunt may and then starts saying over and over i shouldn't have come here i put you in danger yeah yeah you did there martin but he (laughs) ends up saying and i like the idea that he plays it off at first like yeah the sins hit me again and i i blacked out a little well blacking out means that you became mr negative and he says i don't know what i did then i don't know what he did then and it seems like he has set up a deal with fisk that he set up a deal and you're gonna get all of his you know 
followers deal, the whole power of taking over the people that they're going to come and attack Aunt May and Feast and bring that all down. Uh, as a weird deal, is it's felt weird, though, while you have like the sins going around and kind of circling around looking for it, it just seemed odd that it just didn't happen at the point, but it still goes with this deal of wink, wink, Goblin didn't get them, you know, Norman, I'm saying, and I still don't believe him. I still don't. But even so, we, we said the big point was Mary Jane saying, it doesn't matter. You're evil without, you know, the Goblin deal or whatever those sins. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, the idea of, you know, Peter starting out and fighting the minions of Mr. Negative. And then he's like, ooh, this always happens. Let's go back to see how it happened. And then you're just going through an issue where there are some cool parts. Like I said, seeing that, you know, that that room with the goblin stuff with Harry, that that's pretty big and, and pretty much justifies Peter saying, you know, he he's bad and whatnot. Also gives us a little more what I thought was weird. When Harry came back as kindred or whatever, we were even confused. Well, how are they playing this? What is this going on? And then you go to Liz and Peter's like, well, where is Harry? Oh, you know, he has things. He's in Europe. And, and that kind of threw me off. At, and But actually gives you a little clearer idea of, you know, Harry has been around. And he is kind of lying and going off and doing these things. But now he's caught. He's in that prison. So he's going to be gone a while, it seems, especially with. Nick Spencer writing. Like how many uh, times is, you know, is he going overseas and she's not thinking anything of it, you know? Yeah. And it would have been funny if at one point she actually like starts looking into it because she thinks he's cheating and, and then realizes it's worse. He's kindred. Uh, however, that would go. But I, I'm looking at the solicits and even coming up, you end up having a bunch of issues about Randy and Janice, about Randy and, you know, Lady Beetle dating and having uh, Robbie, uh, Robbie Robertson and Tombstone, who's Janice's dad, go all crazy with each other like a Romeo Juliet thing. And, and so I, I just want can, I want this kindred story and, and I want to get the, the stuff that we were excited about resolved a bit more. I want to see I know it's a slow burn and some people love that, but I just it feels weird to have all that waiting, get to the kindred story and have two issues going back and forth with the last remains issues, then having a postmortem thing and then just like, yeah, we're going to deal back with, with you know, negative. Well, the, the problem negative. with that was the fact that it all of a sudden like started to wrap up really quickly, like everything started to happen. And then now full stop, we're going to go to a different story. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe this will be one of those, you know. Reads better in trade by you know if you read it all at once you'll see the little pieces being put together and it plays out uh but this issue pretty much with even even with like you said you have norman and peter fighting again it's the same fight but when he does say why are you here that okay you got me there you got me a little then i'm like okay what are we doing here with liz and normie then normie presses a button we see the glider and the things i'm like okay you got me a little there and each little thing does get me I just want the bigger stuff resolved a little bit more because even when Mr. Negative is there with Kingpin and you see Kingpin's still going on with the deal that he wants his, his wife back and Kindred wouldn't help. But that also ties into the tablets, you know, with 
Gog and all of these things where he was after Boomerang because Boomerang knew where the tablet was. So you have uh, at the end, Mr. Negative, you'll need more than just the tablet of life and destiny. And again, you kind of get me again. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of cool. But then you see next issue, it's just, you know, Mr. Negative against Spider-Man. And I don't know, uh, because I'm here for the big story, it does kind of throw me off a little uh, in a way that I don't want to be thrown off because I have been enjoying this for the most part. Uh, And looking at things, I saw some people were before the Sin Eater story were getting a little tired of Nick Spencer's games. And then once you get to that Sin Eater story into the Kindred stuff, it really, you know, re-sparked a lot of people. Like, all right, me and you, we really were liking it. And then coming out of it, it's like, oh, we're going back to this stuff again. I'm I'm half expecting next issue to have J. Jonah Jameson being the podcaster again, which I I thought was hilarious and I really liked. Or even Boomerang I liked, but we're we're past that. I, I, I think that we're at a point where... You know, I need the big stuff. I need it now. You you hinted at it too much. Then you gave it to us as a tease. And now we're just kind of left behind. We're like MC Scat Cat, two steps forward, two steps back. We're right where we were. But what do you think? You know, I I am a little frustrated that we are moving past Kindred when I thought that's where we were going to stay for a while because it did seem like um, even Harry kind of alluded or Kindred alluded to something that both Norman and Peter didn't know that they were going to have to find out something. And I thought that's where we were going. It seemed like there might've been like possibly a team up in the future and whatnot. And to immediately go to, Oh no, we're going to, you know, deal with Mr. Negative. I don't care about Mr. Negative. Like to be completely honest, um, you know, I just recently started to uh, play the old, uh, the I was going to say old, but the the PS4 game again, and I know that's where he got popular again um, because he was one of the big bads in that game, and so his popularity went up. And I feel like again, we've said this before, Spencer loves to play the greatest hits, and so when he can have the chance to play with a character, uh, he's going to take it. So. Hopefully there can be some good writing, at least um, some good storytelling within this story, but it's not the story that I necessarily want to read right now. Um, but overall, I still think like, like you said, before we actually started to record the, the dialogue was good enough. You know, there was some tidbits that were like, okay, this may lead to somewhere. You know, even Peter says when uh, Normie reveals the glider and the bombs, he's like, I think it's internal dialogue. He says, well, this is confusing because why is it the glider and the bombs when he is kindred right now? What was he planning? Yeah. Well, why you would know? he have that arsenal at the ready? He says, because he exactly. does look, I mean, it looks like, you know, they could just grab a bomb and throw like everything is ready to roll. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's confused about it because he isn't, he didn't come back as goblin. He He's kindred. And it is odd. Now, again, I'd sit there as Peter saying, and also, how did he bring me back to life all those times? I mean, that is like the big thing that I keep thinking. Like, you're worried about the goblin glider and bombs. This guy killed you multiple times and brought you back from the dead. This is crazy. Uh, and, yeah, so that is interesting. And, and it is, uh, you know, the idea. And like I said, Nick Spencer also, he doesn't throw things out there that are wrong or don't make sense. These all make sense. Everything 
you know, is is what it should be, but it's just not where I want to go or where I want to be at the point. It's not like all of a sudden you have somebody show up and, you know, like we yell about over at the DC deal with like a Brian Michael Bendis where a character will just pop up and that character had been dead and never explained why. You know, everything makes sense. It's just he seems to just, like you said, he must have this long game in mind. And he's just going to take his time no matter what. He's going to do his own thing. And it's just, it gets frustrating. I think, you know, you nailed it right on the head. It it is frustrating to read, especially when he gives you these peaks and valleys. And you really get excited when you're at that peak. And then you're like, it almost feels like you're starting the whole process over again. Like, you, you, it's like you're doing some work and you're typing something up in your computer and then, your computer goes down and it isn't saved and you have to start all over again. And you're like, well, I have to do this. I can, and maybe even sit there. I can make it better this time, but it's still, it just deflates you when it happens. And then when you start this out, it's even a lot of setup and you know, you're like, okay, here we go. And you see the whole thing's going. And I think that it will pay off. I actually do. I I'm going to fully trust Nick Spencer with this. And I think that when he does end up hitting We may end up with a Mary Jane and Peter wedding. It may not even be the idea that it's, you know, resetting things, but knowing what happened or leading into that. And maybe that'll be Harry's whole deal is he's just upset that they're not married anymore. And he's going to play this long con that everybody's going to get screwed over. I don't know. But I think that it will end in a (laughs) satisfying way. At least I'm hoping. Uh, But what was that? Oh, I was going to say, you know. I am completely okay with writers being able to tell the story that they want. And I know me and you differ on the opinion of Tom King's Batman, but I will say I hate this idea that everybody has grasped from it thinking that, Oh, you know, the greatest stories end at issue 100. Like it it doesn't need to be that long. I think that you can tell a really good story and keep it within you know, a reasonable amount of issues that will, you know, get the writer a long run and have fun with it and then move on to another great story. Because at this point, I might be burned out on Nick Spencer by issue 100. That's what happens. I, I mean, And yeah. then when the next story comes around, um, whether it be Nick Spencer or somebody else, I'm tired of Spider-Man. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I, I like that took way too long. I don't want to do that again. And so that's why a lot of people jump off of these characters. And I think both Marvel and DC, but you know, right now with Spider-Man, I think they definitely need to think about how they are writing these characters. And that is something that I will have somewhat of opinion on when it comes to fantastic four, when we start talking about yeah, that. Also. Yeah. And, and with that, this is the weird thing because you, you mentioned Tom King. So I'll throw that in as well. But when you get to the end, just say, and we don't know, but just say this goes to issue 100 and there is a wedding, you know, where at the end of that, now you did have, you know, some, you had the Craven story mixed in, but a lot of these stories are mixed in. But by the end, at the end, years from now, oh, what's that hundred issues of Nick Spencer about? You know, with Spider-Man, oh, it was this thing where Harry was get like everything gets condensed into that one story, but it's too long. Like, really, a hundred issues? I'm not going to do. Like, yeah, you have Tom King where he did have you know these individual things going on, but.
but it just centered on the Bat Cat stuff. It suddenly became the Bat Cat stuff in the, you know, issue 24 or so, where it was when you have the engagement or, you know, the will you marry me deal. And so you end up with that 85 issues plus annuals and stuff. Where, oh, what's that about? Oh, it's about Batman and Catwoman getting, you know, messed up with by Bane. And it never feels like 85 issues of that. And and that's kind of what it ended up being. And it it throws you off. And that could have easily been just a neat arc or two, but not a whole run. And you're right, though, with the Tom King deal, and I think with Nick Spencer as well, the idea just that, you know, it it doesn't have to be that long. and, And because it's long doesn't make it better. It, it does tend to get people a little frustrated, a little burned out, a little, you know, fatigued by it. And I, I'm one of those guys. I like a lot of stories and reading some old Spider-Man stuff. You end up like, oh, my God, it's like hit after hit after hit. You, you go through and you have one shots that tell some great. So it's just it's a shame. But people seem to, I guess, still like it. I don't know. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it except. Oh, Kindred, you know, that that sparked everything. I'm afraid it's going to go down again. And we'll see. But I like the art in this. I like the, like I said, parts of the dialogue and parts of the things going. I'm like, okay, you, you kind of got me there. You go, And obviously, you put Aunt May in danger and you're going to want to know what happens. But we see that Spidey does show up and fighting off those minions of, you know, Mr. Negative. But then it just goes with the whole deal of now. Kingpin's the, the big deal, which he has been behind the scenes, but that's just like, you know, we're, we're flip-flopping and just changing the people who we're supposed to be mad at or supposed to be the big bads. But yeah, you have Kingpin there still trying to pull the, you know, things on with that whole deal of bringing his wife back. So at the end, I still think I'm like at a 7 out of 10. I still like it. I, I didn't hate it. It's just with all of what's going on and the little teases and whatnot, it is getting tiresome. But what would you give it? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I did put it at a 7.0. Uh, I like I was thinking about putting it less just because, you know, it kind of like like I said, it frustrated me that I wasn't getting the the answers that we've all been wanting. But that has been just kind of the thing that Nick Spencer does. So I can't you know, throw it out there every single time we do this review. I will say I did like the art. There is one panel though, where when Peter throws Norman up against the wall and you see his face about how angry he is, I know it's just like showing how angry he is, but I don't know what they did. I don't know if that's clay face or what, but his face is all <laughs> yeah, scrunched all up. Over. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> mad. He's got the scrunched up face. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the art overall, but yeah, I'm looking at it now. That part is a little odd. That is, uh, his eyebrows are like super thick and oh, everything. Yeah. 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 He looks <laughs> like he'd be like a Dick Tracy villain right there. So we could just have it there. Uh, but the next book I'm not going to be so nice on. And, and, and again, it's another deal of setup coming to an ending that really does not take advantage of anything that it's set up and, and seemingly Dan Slott just wants to get the hell out of this Griever story. But dude, you're the one who took us into this Griever story. So why are you the one trying to get the hell out? And even with that, I wasn't hating it. I actually thought it was a really good way to, you know, spotlight Franklin, show him without his powers, unfortunately, and not being a mute and all that stuff with it. But I did kind of dig it at a point and I was wondering, how are you going to get out of this? How the hell are you going to get out of just this galactic 
you know, force of, and I find out that we're going to get out of it with fudging our way out of it and just nonsense. Uh, and it is the Fantastic Four number 28 written by Dan Slott, art by R.B. Silva, colors by Jesus Erbatov, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, the Fantastic Four are now the guardians of the Forever Gate, a doorway to every point in space and time. A horde of alien beings, including the human torch's ex-wife, Aaliyah, arrived on Earth via the gate. Close behind them came the Griever uh, at the end of all things, the team's old nemesis and the living embodiment of entropy. The Griever battled the FF to a standstill and was only stopped when they sacrificed their headquarters for Yancey Street by compressing it around her. But the Griever burst free, furiously vowing to end all existence. And I, I guess that the four Yancey Street building, that, that wasn't hitting well. And they have to change that because, you know, that ends up where they fold it up. And you get a, a cute little reference to it by the end. But pretty much this issue with the Griever there, the Griever's going to just destroy everything. The Griever now is where there's a forever gate where she could actually just destroy everything almost simultaneously or at least go through everything and do that as she taunts everybody especially franklin who now has no powers and can't do anything about it you had the you know the refugees coming through the gate that was kind of a neat little deal for her to show up and then since then it's just been them desperately trying to stop her as she Pretty much says, you know, you can't stop me. I'm entropy, like they said in that little deal. I'm the end of all things, all these things going on. And Reed ended up calling, he called Silver Surfer. Now, Silver Surfer right now, being in the King in Black is Silver Surfer Black. It kind of feels off. And, and you end up having two guys here legitimately. Now, eventually things will kind of tend, but they don't like to seemingly play with others when it's not their big deal story. So you end up having Spider-Man, who this week, Daredevil is full out king in black. Well, at this moment, Spider-Man's just zipping around New York, no problems at all, no null, nothing. You're just getting it. I don't mind that, actually, because I don't think that all the books have to necessarily jump into the big event. But having characters, you know, kind of in each book doing things, it feels weird. Also, you end up calling the Silver Surfer to pretty much go and, and mimic how the Fantastic Four took care of Galactus the first time to get the nullifier. And so Silver Surfer showing up on Earth with the ultimate nullifier. The big thing about this is it could end Griever, but it's also going to end whoever uses it, but also could rip the fabric of time You get or the fabric of the whole multiverse deal. You throw so much on this. And so what are they going to do? And I, it intrigues me the idea, well, Franklin, he he's going to use it. He's going to die. He's going to be gone. But because of who he is or whatnot, is he going to become part? Is this a way to get his powers back some weird way, whatever? No, 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 because they don't use it. That, that The whole thing about it uh, that's, is. That's genuinely what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to use it and somehow he was going to become like the nullifier itself That's, or something. I thought something was going to do. They'd change his power set a little, but he'd have a power, galactic power, you know, cosmic power, because of what keeps being spelled out. Silver Surfer, if you use this, you know, you know, and even says to Franklin, you know, and then even goes with the idea of him giving him the nullifier to use because Franklin's imagination to make worlds and universes, this is somebody who'll be able to use it. And I thought this was going to be a way that Franklin shows that he's still special. He ends up, it does something. He even becomes, you know, part of like grievers. I don't know. It doesn't matter because that doesn't happen. 
And, and what happens then is Griever, who's like, oh, man, I'm going to get all you. I could just destroy everything. But instead of that right now, I'm just going to put you in these prison cells of my making where you're going to relive your death. You're just going to relive it. And the book took a left turn at Albuquerque there that I didn't see coming, but it didn't make it better because I didn't see it coming. I thought, what's she doing? She's the ender of all things. And now she's just going to waste time with that. Now, while that's going on, Silver Surfer is going to go off and distract her as Johnny then goes through these cell things, these bubbles of time to go and get them away from their ultimate demise. And the, the play here is to be clever of, oh, my God, how would they die? How, but I, I just wanted it to, to end at points. Now, the, the one with Thing, you know, being the one who kills Reed because of something Reed did, that, that's a neat little seed to plant a little. But really, seeing Doctor Doom kill an old Sue, uh, I, I, like we have other things we're doing here. And just having this old, old thing and just not having... Griever just end everything This is what she's saying She talks a big game She's just kind of meandering around here And being distracted um, But with that I, I don't know You have Dragon Man there All the, Everybody's in well, these the, things The problem that I saw with this Was you know like you said She is the destroyer of all things Why didn't she just kill everybody You know that's one thing that she Ultimately just wants to do Now I do disagree with the fact that it like kind of turned me away. Now it was confusing. It was definitely confusing the way she was torturing them. I did see this possibly as, you know what, this is where it should have ended. And maybe we could go into each one of these little worlds or whatever and learn oh, yeah, more that, that about might've been a little cool you deal. Know, I maybe, agree. You know, maybe prolonging this a little bit more to seem convincing of the ending, maybe, but you know, I actually we, looked at the I, end. I told you last night. I told you last night that uh, Slot has a lot of really cool ideas. He does, but he never executes them very well. Like this dialogue with, oh well, this dialogue with uh, Silver Surfer and the Griever is like, oh well, you were only a Galact- uh, Galactus's herald. What do you expect to do? And uh, he says, "The impossible." That sounds like a really cool line. It just didn't hit very well. Yeah, I, I agree. You know? I agree. Uh, uh, one of the things that made me laugh because I was saying that, oh, they're not getting involved. Well, next issue is a King and Black tie-in issue here. And that kind of makes me think that he is forced to do that. And now he just had to end this because he didn't want to, you know, they're going to go off and fight and all and things like that. Um, so you got to get an ending. And I think that maybe... Because the ending is, I'll say it. I mean, uh, we're not supposed to curse that much here. So put your fingers in your ears. It's a lot of bullshit. It's what it is. And so by yes. the end, he <laughs> needs to get something a little bigger before we get to that forced ending that is really terrible. So I agree, though. I, I agree. Now, again, an older Sue being taken out by Duck, I don't know that I need that much more of that. But I'm telling you, that reading thing deal i'd love to see more of that that is a pretty cool uh deal and i do like johnny being the one to go and save them but even so bo- all of those things could have been you know played I think out a little that more the 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 whole thing with the older sue and dr doom i think that plays off of what slot was doing 
I think, what, two or three issues ago when that random alien came around and first discovered the Forever Gate. Because remember, uh, Invisible Woman was working with Nick Fury and she was in she was invisible inside Doom's uh, office or uh, the freaking uh, I forgot what the building was called. But he says, oh, we will talk about this later. And I feel like there's going to be a confrontation. And that possibly could be it. I do like the idea where he kills her last and and you see mm -hmm. pretty much a a burning body behind it. It looks like, you know, Uncle Owen behind there that must be Reed. And he's like, you're the most powerful one. That's why I left you for the end. And I'm really pissed off at you. So you might be right. You know, that whole deal. And and even says you want to ask me once. And I never forgot that. So that was a cool deal as well. Um, But, yeah, you, you have all this going on. And I, you're going to have to tell them how it ends because it infuriates me <laughs> with all this. And I'm not even saying it's like tons of setup to do this, but you can't make the ultimate villain here that you start off the series with and then get back to as if the world will end. It's funny in a way that it's not, you know, get her and have her go after Null. I mean, seriously, make a deal, make more of a deal with this. But she's the big bad, and then the way it ends just really, really well, it is if Well, one thing that I didn't notice, I'll have to go back, but, like, she looked a lot more menacing and less human in the prior issues. So to give her an actual face like this, I was very confused in the first place um, why they changed her look. But I think it may have been to, quote-unquote, make her more human for this last bit because, you know, there's there's one part where Sue looks at Reed and says, do something, do a smart thing, do a smart thing. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what you have to say? Like, I feel like that is horrible dialogue for Sue to just be like, you're the smart one. Do a smart thing. Like, think well, of something. You're the invisible one. Why don't you skedaddle? That's what I'd say. Why <laughs> exactly. don't you disappear, baby? Uh, but yeah, so, it's so ridiculous. So- so Reed, you know, he's like, oh, you know, you're you're right here. Let me think of this. Hey, Griever, by the way, do you know what this gate does? It actually take it can take you anywhere and any when. So I can take you to the end of the universe so you can see the last chapter, the one thing that you've been wanting to see this entire time. And I wrote it in my review last night. Why would that satisfy her? You know, we have this this goddess of destruction, basically, who should relish in the possibility of getting to destroy something uh, herself. Entropy. Yeah. So you yeah. could go ahead and say to yourself, like, oh, yeah, I caused all this. And now I'm going to be at the no, no. You end up making somebody who does know what the gate does and does know that this is her ultimate key to doing everything she ever wanted. Yes, you have the the nullifier being pointed at her, but at a point of her running the show and basically saying, you guys are all gnats. I don't even need you. I'm going to destroy everything I always do. Franklin, he even tried to stop me, couldn't look at him. He's not even, he's unpowered now. And, and to have them then negotiate with her, first off, I don't think that Griever negotiates. She'd be like, "Really, you're, you're trying to negotiate with me? You're ridiculous." I'm not. And her doing tone that. of voice just completely changes. Yes, she becomes like like she is at their beck and call now. To oh, what? 
a, a deal? Ooh, that's what I do. Like, where did you ever get any idea that this was any sort of character that likes to strike up a deal? This is a character that you would think never would want to like strike even, up a deal. Even her tone, even her dialogue, I feel like changes it from this all-powerful, like, you know, omnipotent being to just like your next door neighbor. Oh, I would like that very much. Reed. Thank you. Like, Oh my God. I would like that very much. She says, <laughs> even when he's like, you know, all of a sudden you have Reed like, Mr. Hardass, and he's like, Griever, I'll give you one last chance. You want to access the forever gate? It's yours. What? Now, I do like Thing going, humana, humana, as that's happening. <laughs> but then she's like, I would very much like that. No, no, no. I, I think she'd say, I, I don't know why I'm dealing with the middleman here, because you're nothing to me. Uh, sayonara, suckers, and go right through the gate. She's standing right at the gate. She could just go through it right now and go wherever. And and it's not even like she had said, like, she pops out and says, oh, my God, I don't know how to control this. I don't know how it works, whatever. She seems all in with this whole deal just to then make a deal for her to go to the end. And like you said, this would be like, you know, some great filmmaker. And you get a thing and say, or even like any sort of artist and say, you know, I'll just boom and you could get to the end. Yeah, no, no, it's the process is what they're they're based on. The process of her causing the destruction is obviously what she loves. That will end up being the end of days, nothing left. But it's the fun of getting there. It is the journey, not the destination, I would think. She's not on a time limit or anything. She goes around, she's entropy. She's gonna, and just to say, I would like that very much. Thank you, Mr. Richards. I love you guys. And by the way, I'll think of you all <laughs> through the end of time. And you guys really did it. Thumbs up to all of you. Hashtag Team Fantastic Four. I know. And then and then Slot like tries to like leave a little tidbit of like, oh, I have a feeling I'll see you there, like talking to Franklin. And I'm like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't either. And then that she goes through. It's done. And then she's there, and then they have to pick up the pieces, and the pieces include, you know, hey, where's our house? And you have the, the Korean scroll kit. Oh, uh, yeah, Mr. Fantastic made it to dimensional and folded up. It was amazing. And then things like, what? What did he do? I have my trophies, my bowling trophies. Uh, one thing that I laughed at, I, I'm telling you, I laughed out loud, and I don't do that much, is when Sky ends up talking to Leah and like, hey, uh, what's up with Johnny? Uh, I can't get near him. And Sky's like, <laughs> You can do whatever you want with him. She's gone. She is leaving. <laughs> the second we come back, even maybe not even waiting that long, it might happen in this crossover with the King in Black, even though I think she has to stay around a little because I do think we're going to get her her people involved as well. And, and the Forever Gate, you have that sitting there, right? And some of the solicits coming up for this involves Reed deciding, like he does, to go off into the forever gate and check out things, but only with Ben. But you would think the forever gate is such a great thing to use when Null comes in and to get all, you know, people from all over. So we'll see if they even use that because it does seem like the next issue is a, you know, a null issue. You have Johnny storm on the cover being able to, you know, hit the symbiotes with something. They don't like fire, obviously, but yeah, at the end of this, you're just like, really? You got the, the ultimate nullifiers there as just a prop and a fan service wow moment. Because even then, hey, Silver Surfer, what are you going to do with that? Nah, I better take it back. <laughs> like, all right. 
I guess we didn't do anything with this. You could have just at the beginning of all this, Grieber comes in like, hey, Grieber, you can use that to go to the end of time. And I would very much like that. See you later. All right. That wasn't much of a story. But yeah, it was one of the worst endings to something that's supposed to be such a huge threat. But you said there are some things in there. Like It is interesting kind of, I guess, to see, you know, these future deaths. I really like the idea that thing comes through. And they're replaying these deaths over and over and over. And you end up having, you know, Ben come in and it's like, hey, why are you the one killing Reed? Ah, he screwed us. Yeah, I know, but he didn't mean to gamma rays. No, no, no. I'm over that. Yeah, you know, there's something worse. But then not tell. It's almost like, you'll see. And again, this is the problem that Dan Slott has, which is from what I am sensing through Avengers, through Spider-Man, and now Fantastic Four, the writers at Marvel love to branch out into all different types of stories and not really finish one. That's the problem. (laughs) Everybody, really. Uh, And I I love the idea, too. It's like, get this. We're going to see the future deaths of the Fantastic Four and Dragon Man because Johnny needs to say, I'm like, Dragon Man? All right. It just made me laugh when I'm like, you're going through these, and then I get to Dragon Man. I'm like, I, I hate to tell you, Mr. Dragon, uh, I don't really care about your future death. <laughs> I really don't. And so let's get out of there. But it, it's nice to see. I do like him and Bentley's interaction, that whole deal. Like, you you let Val fix me? And oh, my goodness, you know, thanks a lot. And I know you miss me. And I shut your mouth. And they go, it's okay. Uh, the art's okay. I do like it. It's colorful. It always is. Uh, but the story was ridiculous. It ended up a, a big story that, again, if you're already going to, you know, unpower Franklin, this seemed like the story was going to get something back. At one point, he had the, you know, dupe of the Iron Man Fantastic Four armor that I thought would be a cool little deal for it, but that was a dupe. Then you seemingly are getting Silver Surfer, wink, wink, you're going to get something back here and you're the one. No, no, no. Even the idea of him disappearing for a while using the ultimate nullifier he just is in this book now just upset that he doesn't have powers i think that that might have been a play as well where he does come back later as the herald of galactus is dead so he can't be that but still you have all that what would you give it you know i i did give it something pretty high uh considering uh all the crap that we just talked about it but it it's mainly like i said it's the really cool ideas the beautiful art but just the horrible execution, I only had to give it a 6.5. I'm giving it a 6. I'm not even as low as you might expect because, again, there are some nice moments. I like some of the dialogue with it. Even when you have the, the dream nightmare of their you know endings, their deaths, some of the dialogue in those is really good. It's just like you said, he has a lot of ideas. They get thrown together. You're rushing to an end. We have to get to the King and Black deal. Uh, so I don't know if that was the big thing that he didn't want to, you know, be in the middle and there was, you know, some sort of miscommunication of getting these things to set up right. Um, but it still looks great and it's very, the colors are really good, but six is fine with me. Six, five for you. You're Mr. Positive. 
And uh, yeah, we'll end with that with me and you. And as we do, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah. So recently I did make a post. Um, I am currently working at home doing my own Etsy shop. So because of that, I will not be uploading from uh, a Fanboy Comics podcast for the time being. I am still reading a whole bunch of manga. Hopefully I can, you know, randomly go in there and, you know, uh, do a review every once in a while. But I still will be on every other show, Batman News Weekly, the Comic Book Legion, um, of course, this show, and the Ranger Alliance podcast, which is a part of the Geek Ultimate Alliance. Yes. And uh, did you read Elusive Samurai this past week, the new uh, the new manga on the Shonen Jump deal? Did it you is read on that? my list for today. Okay. It, it, there's, a sh- there's a shocking turn. In that one that threw me off. You will see. You will see. And you'll know exactly what I mean. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to. I saw that you uh, did a manga Monday on it. So I, I went ahead and uh, saved it for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty good. You, I think you'll like it overall as a first chapter. But that's manga talk. Half the people are like, what are they talking about? Elusive Samurai. Now we're going to go off. And, and this is the thing. I don't know if it's going to be me and Brandon. Or just me, because me and Brandon did record a section of Daredevil and Strange Academy. I'm having a awful time editing it because we had a lot of snafus. So it may be me coming back with just me doing and talking about what me and Brandon already talked about. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's one of those points that, Clay, you, you would know the idea of when you don't know if it's going to take longer to actually edit what you did then just re-record it. And I'm at that point right now where I'm like, <laughs> I've already spent 20 minutes trying to get this edited. I could have actually went back and recorded at least half of it already. So we'll see how it goes. But thanks, everybody. Well, thank you, Clay. I say thanks, everybody. Like, I'm ending the whole deal every week. And it always drives me nuts when I'm editing. I'm like, why do I keep saying that? <laughs> thank you, Clay. And we're going to go off to either hear me talk about books with Brandon or me by myself. And here I go. And we're going to start with Daredevil number 26. That is written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Marco Cacetto and Mike Hawthorne, inks by Adriana Bandetto, colors by Marco Menez, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. It's the Black Kitchen Part 1. It's like the Black Mold Studios that I'm recording in right now. And right now I'm also under the heavy influence of cough syrup 
that that is what has been getting me through this covid and it's weird too when you go and you end up going and you're like oh my god i have covid oh geez what are they going to do for me what's going on and they're like well you could take some cough medicine and, and some advil I'm like really like th- that that's your hints there of what i'm gonna do i mean really that, that's, that's something else and it's something else uh but yeah so i i took that as meaning lots of cough syrup because i can hardly breathe when Matt Murdock was a kid, he lost his sight. Did you know this? In an accident involving radioactive chemicals. Hmm. Though he could no longer see the chemicals heighten Murdock's other senses and imbued him with an amazing 360-degree radar sense. Now Matt uses his abilities to fight for the city as Daredevil. That is the recap. It's the recap because this issue is a king in black tie-in. You end up having it kind of throw me off a bit. Now... Most books are having tie-ins. Most books, especially that are in New York City, probably should have tie-ins. I mean, Null is taking over the entire world, but he's pretty much set up home base in New York City. So you want to have these books go with it. The problem is this is a long-form story that Chip Zdarsky has been playing out with a lot of cogs, a lot of things going to work, the machine um, but also it's a street level story and a story that I like a lot because you're seeing the man behind the mask. You're seeing the man who came back too early to be Daredevil because his Hell's Kitchen needed it, but went too early and accidentally killed a man. So he has been struggling with that. We end up having a trial. Matt goes to jail. So throwing in the King and Black wallet makes sense. And while it also probably will put some eyes on the book that a book desperately needs it. This is a great book. It really is. Chip Zdarsky is writing a great series. My favorite issues every time it comes out, pretty much. It's my favorite ongoing series. So the more people, and I'm not one of those jerks. There's jerks out there that they want to be the only ones reading something they love. Like, eh, they don't want any newcomers in Johnny Come Lately's. I don't mind about the Johnny Come Lately's. And I say, you. how dare you to them? Because this book deserves everybody to be reading it. But with that, if you are reading it, maybe you're excited about this and what happens in this issue. But it threw me off because it does change the scope and the tone of this book. Street level deal. Also going against some of the comic tropes. The idea that, you know, heroes can go and do what they want. Nobody minds the damage they cause, possibly the murders that follow, you know. And Chip Zdarsky has made it that this is what this is all about. Adding in Null, Symbiote Dragons, it it throws things off in my mind and seemingly might be the way that Matt might get out of jail at a point where it looks like things are about to get real rough with him. But you kind of want to see how he gets out of that and stuff like that besides being a symbiote. But you end up starting out Pretty good. I mean, you start out just as the normal Chip Zdarsky deal where Daredevil is there. He's in the common room there in jail. And he's got an issue because he cannot let anybody in jail know that he's blind. Now, he's in there with his mask on. And so they're not going to see his eyes necessarily or whatever. But a lot of people are reading books. They're all talking to each other. And he's sitting by himself just staring into nothingness staring into his radar sense but it does look like he is just kind of staring at everybody and it freaks everyone out you have a a big big dude a big prisoner 
come and his name's Marcus and like, hey, you know, Clarence and Block D doesn't, you know, creep people out as much as you. And that guy's a serial killer. I mean, seriously. Plus, we all want to kill you. You put a lot of people in jail and you would love to have it where maybe these people end up like, you know what? That, that daredevil, he put me in jail, but boy, I deserved it. But people don't think that way. He's like, we're all going to kill you. And Matt just says, listen, I'll go to my cell. I'm going to get my sentence through. He says, my sentence is two years. I'll serve it just like you're serving yours. I'm with you. I am doing exactly what you are doing. Now, this is the righteous Matt Murdock who wants to do this because of the guilt, everything on you know, his conscience and his soul here, but it isn't the same. And Marcus points it out, and this is where I really like Chip Zdarsky because he ends up twisting and turning things where even when Matt said to Electra issues ago, I'm turning myself in, I'm going to jail, I'm going to accept this because all he really has to do is take off his mask and run away. Nobody knows that, you know, Matt is Daredevil and then it's just Daredevil is on the land and I'll find him and maybe he's never Daredevil again, but he's going to go to jail serving his time as Daredevil who did accidentally kill a guy. And at that point, Electra said, you really think that that's for the good of everyone? You, you really think that you're, you know, the selfless guy doing this, but you're selfish. And here's why. Because you going into jail because you accidentally killed one man might end up causing the death of 200 in Hell's Kitchen with you gone. You know, the amount of people that you save in a year well overdoes the one guy, you know, the the needs of the many, you know, over the few things like that going on, which does lead to Electra becoming Daredevil for a little. I'll tell you what I think as well as we go on. But you end up where Marcus and Chip Zdarsky throws in another bit that kind of sends Matt for a loop a bit because the idea that Matt is serving his sentence and saying it's just like you. You're serving your sense. I'm serving mine. We'll get out, whatever. And this Marcus says, no, no, no. You're here with a mask on. You're here with a mask that when you get out of jail, you just take off that mask and you're back to your life with no fuss, no muss. Nobody's going to look anything. You go and apply for a job. Nobody's going to see that it was you. Nobody's going to know that you spent time for homicide. You know. And he even says, and this is the thing, this Marcus guy. He, he ain't the best of guys. He he reminds me of Suge Knight, and I'm expecting him to hang Matt out the window like vanilla ice, but he doesn't. But he says, I'm in for Coke. And I'm like, I like Pepsi, but, you know, because I'm a good boy. I don't know what he means, right? But he ends up like, I'm in for Coke, and when I get out, I'm not going to be able to get a job. I'm not going to be able to. He says, you, you can go back to your fancy life. I don't know what you are, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. He kind of realizes that Matt's something a little special, a little more. Uh, and says, you'll just get back to your life. It, it will not matter whatever. Well, the warden wants to see Matt, wants to see Daredevil. And he goes to see the warden. And the warden seems to be nice enough, but ends up where Matt thinks that this is like, yeah, I'm in big trouble. I'm not getting out of here. I am. And because he goes and talks to the warden, though, it seems like the warden's nice. He says, hey, by the way, you know, I have to thank you. You ended up getting my psychotic son crime wave and got him arrested thanks a lot and he actually thinks like you know he needed help whatever thank you uh but you know there's not gonna be any ill will we're gonna go with all this stuff and, and matt is starting to worry a bit that this little sentence is gonna be a little more 
than he had bargained for because, you know, it usually is. I mean, in jail. So you have all that going on. It's a pretty good start. You go to Electra, who is being a little more rough than a daredevil would be. And she is daredevil at this moment, as we saw. So she's going and she's hanging people. She's the Shug Knight. She's hanging people off the sides of buildings so that they listen. But he's, she's not going to go as far as killing them. She wants to. She really does want to. That's her MO. But she thinks to herself, I can't do that. Matt would not approve. And where I get all this is the idea where people might say, okay, well, you ended up having Electra pay the money for the people of Hell's Kitchen to be able to have their own property so the Stromwinds can go in and grab it and raise the prices and kick them out. So they have that going on, which was Electra, the Electra money that she actually stole from the Stromwinds with Matt. So it was kind of a little twist and turn there. And she's going around being Daredevil. She has the Daredevil costume on. And she's not killing people because she wants Matt to approve whatnot. It's all so when he gets out, he will join up with her to go get the hand of fist. All this stuff going on, which was the prophecy that Stick ended up telling Electra, you know, one will live, one will die. If you're reading this, you know, and not just in for the king in black, you'll know what I'm talking about. So you get that beginning that is like, hey, Chip Sadarsky's going, hey, guys, you know, gals, whatever, that you have been reading. This is for you until we get, and then we're going to get into the king in black where we're going to just turn this all into an over-the-top action movie with wow moments of symbiotes and things. And I really like that. Once you end up then having a symbiote dragon of null show up, Things do shift. Then things shift to a point where, all right, we're in the King and Black territory. Let's go. We know the routine. You end up having fists grabbed by his security detail. Wesley says, we got to get you to safe house. We're being invaded by aliens. All this stuff going on. Part of his security is Typhoid Mary, who ends up kind of being left behind a bit. She gets turned into a symbiote full out. And so while that's going on, the symbiote ooze gets into the jail. Starts turning guards and prisoners into symbiotes. Matt wants out of his cell saying, I'm the only one who's going to be able to stop that thing in here. Let me out. Even though when he gets out, Billy doesn't have a plan and it's not that great. But while that's going on, you need something then for Electra to be involved with, with symbiote stuff. And it's this girl and her mother. This piece of crap in a bar is picking up a 16-year-old girl. He says he didn't know. Still a piece of crap. And you end up, as they leave the bar, symbiote deal goes and takes over the mother. And then you have this girl, Alice, running away from her symbiote. You know, come to mother. Come to us. Because Noel talking through and all that seems to be very concerned with her. As she is running away and Electra gets involved to stop this mother symbiote. So we go then back to the jail. They do let Matt out. He gets a baton, tries to use it as Daredevil would on the symbiotic deal. And he's not going to do anything to it. He can't. This is a symbiote. He's in jail. All these things going on. And he ends up getting enveloped by the goo and becomes a symbiote. Now, while that's also going on, Typhoid Mary does then go after. And this is the symbioted up. Typhoid Mary goes and there's going to be a fight with her and Electra. And again, these are wow moments. Seeing Matt especially become a daredevil symbiote. Seeing the idea that Typhoid Mary is a symbiote looks like craziness with these like sword knife hands going after Electra. Electra trying to save people still. All that fisk being taken away. So you have all these big wow moments, but it just, it's too 
cosmic too big for this book and i wish that it was one of those things we do have other things that could have went on like a cole north getting involved maybe with electrics that matt becomes a symbiote seemingly is going to just break out of jail and we'll see what that leads to i I just thought oh man you know we did all this work to get matt into jail and i was really interested in seeing how he dealt with that and what he was going to do to at the end just become the daredevil symbiote which is a wow moment it is a fan service deal there you go but it just takes that tone and the scope and changes it all around now when matt does become the symbiote there's a really good page it's just a black page with matt and Noel talking and i think it's one of the best deals that we've had we chip Zdarsky does a really good job of showing what happens when Noel does take you over when the symbiotes do and you end up matt's like who who are you i am Noel. it is time and then matt says well what's happened to me we are bonding but why to be better don't you want to be better and he so i do i try god help me i try and then Noel says then hear me hear this voice inside you the way i hear your heart you are a man without fear i am pure power as one we're unstoppable and then you see that symbiote it's a really good deal of seeing Noel taking over matt especially the idea where you kind of think like the symbiote goes and whatever but matt has no idea what that is so i really did like that part overall though i got kind of taken out of the whole thing and like oh man i just wish we had our daredevil book we, we were getting back into like some really cool things and going with that especially daredevil as you know electra's daredevil mad in jail so by the end i thought the art was really great i'm gonna give it a 7.8 just a little bit under an eight It is one of my least favorite issues of the series, though I think that a lot of people will like it because of the all-out action and that symbiotic deal and fan service. So I'm not saying that people are going to hate it or they should hate it. I just am here for Daredevil, not King in Black. And when you get King in Black, it's like getting, you know, the peanut butter and the chocolate together to make the Reese's. But that's delicious. So I don't know why I brought that up because those two are two great tastes that taste great together. I don't know that these are. King and Black Daredevil, I really love Daredevil. King and Black, eh, the tie-ins are starting to get to me. And this one just kind of throws me off. So 7.8, I'm going to go off to the next book that me and Brandon originally talked about. Now I'm going to do by myself. And at one point, Clay was going to join me he's going to rejoin me for this and i was going to get a hold of him it's way late i don't know if clay is up and would be into it so if he's listening to this i apologize for not getting a hold of you uh but it is past the witching hour and i i don't want to end up making clay feel like he has to come back that late so i'm going to go off to strange academy number seven all right and strange academy number seven is written by scotty young art by umberto ramos Colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Welcome to Strange Academy, where the best and brightest young sorcerers are trained by the greatest magic users in the realm, in all the realm, all of whom were gathered uh, by the Sorcerer Supreme, Dr. Stephen Strange. Humans, Asgardians, and demons alike all filled the halls with fun, laughter, and learning. Then the unthinkable happened. While trying to rescue one of their fellow students from the nefarious group The Hollow, One of the Strange Academy students has been killed, and another's light is dwindling. It is Doyle, Doyle Dermamu, 
who is dead. Emily is dying. And that's how we left last issue. And I'll tell you, I really like this book. I like the series. I like the characters in it. I have been bitching and moaning since issue one. Why aren't we seeing more of them in classes? Why aren't we seeing them do the magic? Why aren't we getting the fun? This is Harry Potter and the Marvel Universe. Some of the best parts of Harry Potter was seeing them struggle or do well in class. And especially when you have characters where one is doing good, the other isn't, they're getting frustrated, all that stuff, which does end up giving you a lot of good character moments. When you see a character struggle like that, you end up seeing what they're made of, all that, or even succeeding. And then you end up where they would go off to fight the hollow, have uh, an idea of who can do what. I mean, just imagine where you have, you know, Doyle, who is, you know, he's on fire. He's a pumpkin-headed guy on fire. And he's maybe really good at fire spells where you're fighting the hollow, which are tree people. You would think, oh, my God, Doyle would be really great at that. He gets knocked out. Oh, my God, we're going to have to rely on Gus, who has always failed at the fire magic. This is how you set up things like this. And it would have been really cool to know that stuff, to know what each of them is good at, does, whatnot. We never got that. And that really threw me off. Also, the hollow as a villain never really set up well. We saw them in that little excursion when they went to New Orleans and you ended up, oh my God, they were, you know, in the in the shadows watching. And then you end up where you have Calvin go and get captured by him. But we really didn't know much about them. So we ended that first arc in my mind kind of fudging things, kind of pushing things forward in ways that weren't really well set up. But you could always hang your hat on loving the characters, loving the concept, because I love both of those. I think that it's great. And so going into this issue, and, and if you have been listening, and a lot of the Strange Academy reviews have been picked by the badasses that get fresh coop, beep boop, to be Patreon exclusive. So maybe a lot of you haven't heard us talk about it, me and Brandon, but we've been a little down on the book and down in a way where we just keep hoping to get more and more involved. Like, I really hope next issue is really good because I want to like this book. I'm not that excited about it. I still like it, but not excited. So going into this, we had said as well, there's too many characters. You're not giving us the character moments in the classrooms, all of that. So maybe it'd be better to kind of pair them off. At points you do. You, you see Desi and Zoe at points going off together. At, at the beginning, you saw Shaylee and Emily but then they kind of separate. We don't get much of Shaylee. And even Herman, Gus, Toth, like there's a lot of characters we're not really dealing with a lot. And so maybe having a couple issues, an issue where one's the focus, two are the focus, we would hope that would do something really good. This is that issue. You end up pretty much seeing Emily, the whole issue. We're dealing with Emily and Emily dealing with the death of Doyle. And this is one of the best issues of the series because of it, because we see what Emily's all about. We see and she's our main character. She's our point of view character. So we know the most about her anyway. But having her react to Doyle being killed, also seeing what Doctor Strange had to do to make sure she didn't die and also learning a lot of things about the cost of magic and why it isn't you know, hitting the kids, which Zelma had spelled out before to Emily. 
The cost of magic doesn't, you know, pertain in the school. That allows them to do their spells in class and stuff like that. Well, we find out what that's all about. And all those things wrapped up in the one really, really gives us one of the best issues, if not the best issue of this entire series. Maybe the first one was because, you know, just the, the whole wonder and awe of it was really cool. But this issue is is great. It really is. And if you have somehow fallen off this book or was waiting to hear somebody say, like, you really should jump. Yeah, just jump on here. And I think if you read this issue, you'll go back and read the others then. And you could read most of them in the Marvel Unlimited app, even if you have that. But you start off with Emily and Doyle. They're out in the bog. They're out in the swamp in a boat. And Emily wants to kiss Doyle. Doyle's like, I've never been kissed before because, you know, they kind of light people on fire if you did. I'm kind of a flaming head here. And she doesn't care. And it's kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to go on because she ends up going to touch Doyle's head and she lights on fire and like, oh, my God, it burns so bad. Why won't you make it stop? Why won't you stop it? And then she wakes up. This was a nightmare. And she's in the hospital kind of infirmary deal that looks more like a lab slashed infirmary. Well, she wakes up and Zelma's there and it's like, don't worry. It was a nightmare, whatever. And then Emily's like, oh, so all that stuff, you know, with Calvin and the hollow and Doyle, that was a nightmare. No, no, no. That was real. That happened. Uh, yeah, Doyle is dead. And you see Doyle is dead. Emily does not believe it. She's like, this can't happen. How is this a thing? She runs over to his dead body. There's a, you know, a cover, a sheet over him. You see his arms, so you know it's him. Uh, but she goes over. She's crying. This can't be. Ends up saying to Zelma, how is this? I mean, why didn't you bring him back? Why didn't you do everything that you had to to get him back? Because we've even had classes where we brought back the dead. You know, this is something that you guys do. Now, again, I'd like to have seen that class more and more, but she's freaking out. And Zelma is trying to comfort her, but she's not saying like, oh, my God, we did the best we could. We tried our best because she doesn't believe that they did. She says it's complicated, and the complications is the idea that Dr. Strange is trying to save Doyle and Emily. Doyle, being the son of Dermammu, seems to throw a little wrench in the works, but also you can't just you know go and say, hey, Dermammu, come on up here and save your son, it seems. And so Dr. Strange is concentrating fully, 100% on Emily. Now, while that's going on, Dr. Voodoo says, this is bull crap. I am going to get Dermamu, opens up a portal to go off. Now, that doesn't work out well. Obviously, it doesn't because Doyle is dead. But you have Dr. Strange going, and I thought that this was a cool deal if you had read the Surgeon Supreme book. I'm not saying that you should. I didn't really like it that much, but I did like for the bits where you did do the magic surgery where Steven can look and see demons and things like that and work the surgery with that. And it kind of feels like that a bit where he ends up seeing that Emily is in big trouble, magic deal going all around her. You end up seeing that she is being taken over. She is not going to be able to last, even if we don't know exactly, you know, the particulars. I don't know. This this is a comic book with magic. What are the particulars? But she is being taken up. She is going to die. He ends up yelling, spectral lights, please. And you see just nonsense going with her. He gets Zelma and they're, they're fighting uh, around and stuff like that where, you know, we're going to save Emily, not 
Doyle and, and Selma's like, you know, I don't understand. This is nonsense. He's like, listen, if I'm going to take advice from the school librarian, and then who the hell am I? And Selma gives it right back. I mean, she is what I would say is full out sass, right? She says, well, first off, the idea that you think a librarian is an insult, it's not an insult to anybody here. Like, that's an insult maybe in your mind. It isn't to me. And also, I saved your butt plenty of times, so shut your mouth. And and Dr. Strange kind of backs off a bit as they're trying together to save Emily. It's not working. They're not able to do it. It's not going to work. Dr. Strange says to Zelma, I need to take her to Hogoth. I got to take her to Hogoth, and we're going to have to ask him for another favor. Now, with that, we don't really know what that means, or at least I did. But you end up, Zelma says, whoa, 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 no, no, no. We owe him so much already. We, we can't ask him another favor. But Dr. Strange, he's he doesn't have any other options. And he says, no, no, no. I'm going to deal with that later. We need to save her. I'm going to have to go. And this is Hogoth, the magic tiger god. And they go to ask a favor. So what is the other favor? Well, Hogoth, and it looks incredible. This spread page that you go to to see Dr. Strange bringing Emily to Hogoth is incredible. And this is how they are able to take away the cost of magic. Hogoth is pretty much eating it. He's eating the cost of magic so that it doesn't go against all the kids using magic and stuff like that. So he is already doing way, way above anything that people should do or even old gods should do. And Dr. Strange, I need another favor. And Hogoth's like, really? Like, you asking me another favor makes me think that this whole thing is a, a big mistake on my part. And I don't know that we could do that. All this says, you're the Sorcerer Supreme. Why do you need my help? And you end up having Dr. Strange says, and I like this because it makes things bigger. It's very exciting. The idea of we both know what's coming and what needs to happen here. So we see why the school was set up, too. And he says, you can lecture me on manners and attitude and she'll be eaten up by this power. Or you can help do what needs to be done to save this kid. Either way, I need an answer right now. So he's like, if you're not going to save her, then I'm just leaving. I don't need your nonsense. But please, please do this. Please. And he does. He ends up roaring and again, looks incredible and ends up saving Emily, who seemingly is bigger than what we would have expected. And also the school has a bigger purpose, it seems, than just, hey, maybe we should train these kids in magic. So I, I really like that. It does open this book up, and it does make it feel way more important in the overall deal. Well, that is how Emily was saved. We go back to the present. Emily, she is pissed. She's still upset. She is yelling at Selma. We have to try to do anything to bring Doyle back. This is nonsense. You guys didn't do anything. I don't understand. That's when the portal opens and Dr. Strange brings out Dr. Voodoo, who looks like he's worse for wear. Things did not go well. And then Dr. Strange says, it's not that simple. Uh, we tried, but Doyle is a descendant of Damamo, as you can see by the current state of your headmaster, Voodoo, asking someone to travel to the dark dimension to ask for help from one of the most powerful beings in the multiverse does not work out well. Emily shows how kick-ass she is. She does not care. She runs and just pushes her way past Doctor Strange into the still-open portal and then tries desperately to get to Dormammu. It's way above her pay grade. She doesn't know what she's doing. We just said Doctor Voodoo couldn't. 
And and this is the thing. This isn't going to be one of those where it's like, oh my god, it's Anakin Skywalker. You could do anything and and so she can't. She gets stopped. She's going to die probably here. She doesn't know what to do. Doctor Strange goes and saves her. Goes in and gets her, and is very very. Nice, very tender moment with Emily, who is crying and saying, I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. I tried to do it. I tried to save Doyle. And it's a really good moment where it goes and really, you know, brings up the idea of Doctor Strange, not just being the Sorcerer Supreme, but also a surgeon before that and all saying, I'm sorry, we couldn't save him. I'll never get used to not being able to save them. And it's a moment that is very much a surgeon tour, like a family member. I tried to save your loved one. I couldn't. And, you know, again, it's the Sorcerer Supreme stuff more involved here. But I thought that it was a really, really good moment. And then says, let's go home and gets her and takes her out. And again, she says, I, you know, I tried. I really tried. And you end up where Dr. Strange has to go. And he's like, I got to attend to Dr. Voodoo. Uh, he is worse for wear. I got to go. But there's also a bunch of students that would like to know how you are, Emily, and would like to talk to you and would like to hug you and all, all the, the kids that she goes and says, Miss Stanton, can you see that she gets back to the dorm? And then, so, yeah, she's healed enough. She can go back. And Zelma says, hey, uh, of course, come on, Emily. And that's where you have Emily say, not yet. She wants to say goodbye to Doyle. Doyle's dead body is there. She goes over, pulls the, the sheet back, and sees and there he is, dead body. And I, I was thinking to myself, you know, don't kiss that dead body. Don't smooch him right on the lips. He, you don't kiss dead bodies. That's the thing. That, that's terrible. But she ends up crying and kisses him on the head. Now, as she's crying, there's a possibility that one of her tears goes on to him as well. But when she does kiss him... It lights the fire up. It's the doors light my fire. It is. It's also Huey Lewis because the power of love seems to have brought back Doyle. She ends up being able to bring him back. Now, if this was something you're like, oh, okay, I get it. No, no, no. Dr. Strange, Zelma, and Dr. Voodoo have no idea what's going on. They are looking like, oh, my God, what just happened? Doyle sits up and then hugs Emily. And the thing is, it then says to be continued. But right as we leave, Emily closes her eyes as Doyle hugs her. But then she opens them up, and it seems like there's a little dark magic going on. She looks goth is what she looks like. I'm telling you, she is going to go, and she's going to start. She's going to go to Hot Topics, go to Hot Topics. Nobody wants to go to Hot Topic, right? No. So hopefully she doesn't do that. But she still might listen to, like, Susie and the Banshees, something like that, right? And get right all into it. And and then secretly listen to like Justin Timberlake or Justin Bieber just because she still likes that as well, but she has to be cool to her goth friends. That's what you do. I, I was never a goth, so don't think and that boom goes the dynamite. But my wife was. My wife went through a huge goth phase, uh, back when we went to school together and I just shook my head every time I saw her. I'm like, really? Like the person who two days ago loved Duran Duran and Tears for Fears. Now the son's walking around with a nail through her nose. I don't get it. I don't get it, baby, is what I said, right? Hey, baby, I said, and then she she hated me. But you end up where it looks like Emily might be going goth, which is cool. And I want to see what's going on. I think she's going to start doing rituals and stuff. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. Every time I read this issue, I like it even more. I mean, if I end up reading it three more times, 
this thing's going to be a 20 out of 10. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10, though. Uh, I really like the emotions of it. I like that Emily is featured here fully by herself for the most part, seeing her be really kick-ass sassy, all that stuff all rolled up into one, gets me re-energized, almost reignites me for this series going forward, right? That, that's a little bit of a pun. That's a Doyle pun. I meant to hit the, that was supposed to be the drums. I don't know why Greta has to throw shade at me all the time. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Now, with that, we're going to go off. That is the end of the podcast. I do want to tell you, though, a couple other issues came out this week that I do want to just suggest maybe, you know, talk a second on. Uh, one of them is Deadpool number 10. It ends the series. It is a King and Black tie-in. It's such a weird deal where we end up where everybody is like the sword number two. The second issue is a King and Black tie-in. Well, to end up your series as a King and Black tie-in, what Kelly Thompson does, and Deadpool's the best to do this, where she really pokes fun at the idea that the book has been canceled. She does a bunch of things, mentions the Wu-Tang Clan a couple of times, and even mentions the song Tears that is able to free up Jeffrey the Land Shark from being all symbioted up. He ends up being a symbiote. And this issue, this number 10, I'm not going to tell you that if you didn't read, you know, all the other Deadpool, because I did not really like this series by uh, Kelly Thompson. This is the best issue. And it seems like really it took you to do this and to kind of let loose. The idea that it was canceled, I think, let her, you know, kind of just have fun with it and do whatever. And it's the most Deadpool issue of her whole run. And if it was like this, I think it would have lasted a little longer. It's fun. Pop culture references, tons of jokes, some really in-joke stuff going on, a lot of, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Really fun. And so if you are reading the King and Black tie-ins but you're kind of picking and choosing i actually say get this one get it i think it's really fun i had a lot of fun with it and i'll give you scores with this i'd give it an eight out of ten and i've been really down on her deadpool the other one that i was going to talk about savage avengers another book that i'm not really reading not really digging but i thought well i'll check it out it ends up and it's savage avengers number 17 jerry dugan is giving us a return to Deadpool here because it's a Deadpool Conan team up. And if that doesn't sound like fun, I don't know what does. And it is fun. It's a lot of fun in this. And I had a, a pretty much a ball reading it. I really had a really good time reading it. The art's really good. And yeah, it's a little goofy with the whole deal with, you know, the tie ins and stuff. At the end, it looks like Conan might even become a symbiote deal with. You know, Deadpool going around and, and doing Deadpool stuff, but it feels like a really good Deadpool story, also tying in Conan with it. And I really, really enjoyed it. Again, I'd probably give it an eight out of 10 if I was going. So, yeah, go and check those two out. They're actually, you know, pretty decent tie ins to King and Black. And maybe it's one of those things. The Daredevil book threw me off because that's a book that I'm really invested in. And I didn't want it to get commandeered by the King and Black. But a book like, you know, Deadpool or Savage Avengers, which I haven't been reading lately. It's my chance to kind of dip the toe back in and have fun. And I don't really care what was going on before because I wasn't reading it. So I'm just in there. And I, I did I did really like both of those. Also, just another shout out to Kelly Thompson. If you're reading the Captain Marvel uh, issues, uh, the whole deal with her in the future, stuff like that, that was a pretty good issue as well. Also, 
having a certain Asgardian lady become worthy in it, which was an awesome moment. Uh, but again, I'm going to go because of the time frame and all of that stuff, thinking maybe I might talk a couple of those in a little more detail on the Patreon spotlight, along with the Werewolf by Night and Shang-Chi number five. Werewolf by Night number four and Shang-Chi number five. And again, if you would like to support us for everything we do and, you know, give us a little, you know, inspiration and stuff like that. I'm trying to do more and more. I am trying desperately to get through this COVID and still put out a bunch of things. Uh, one of the things being video reviews that I really am struggling to figure out how to do the way I want to do them. Uh, a little bit back, a couple months ago, I was doing some reviews and had a lot of Greta and stuff. You know, I had like stuff like that. And then some somebody made fun of me about the sound bites. Like, what are you, one of them morning zoos? Not realizing that is my lifelong goal to be a morning zoo shock jock. But uh, they said that and that threw me off and I stopped doing them. That's, that's what happens. I'm a very fragile guy. So that causes problems. But I have those videos. Please go check those out. And if you have any suggestions or something that you want, uh, let me know as well with those, but also with the podcast, all that stuff. You know, let me know what you think, how things are going. But thanks, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that Brandon will be able to rejoin us fully next week. And his, you know, audio is a little better, but we'll see. Hopefully you didn't mind me just talking by myself. But that is that. Thanks, everybody. And I will talk to you later. And boom goes the dynamite.